You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast with Pastor Brent Gerard. In Focus Church is a multi ethnic, multi generational church in Evans, Georgia, with a mission to love God, love people, and reach the world. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you are listening, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at In Focus Church. We hope this message encourages you and leaves you feeling challenged to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Revelation chapter 3, if you have your Bible, verse 1 through 6. We are now looking at the letter to the church in Sardis. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Finish what you started. Anybody ever heard that phrase before? Finish what you started. Maybe you've heard it. Maybe it's advice you've been given. Maybe it came across more as a a command or a correction than an encouragement because you didn't finish something that you started. Being a child of the 80s, I couldn't help but think of an old Van Halen song. That was just kind of what came to my mind, Sammy Hagar version. Yeah, some of y'all like, you don't know. It's okay. But I think we've all had those days where we started something a project and we didn't finish it maybe 15 of them that we didn't finish in one day or maybe that's just your normal way of life you start things and you don't finish them and you got projects all over the place or maybe there's that big grand project like you're gonna put an addition on the house or or build this grand shed or repair this car or paint this room or whatever it is and you started with conviction and dreams and hopes of what it was going to turn out like but today it still stands as a reminder of what could have been if you had just finished what you started yeah, I figured there'd be a few little nervous laughs at that point, elbows, like, yeah, every time we walk by it, I'm like, why did we finish that? Don't feel bad, as you probably are one of a gajillion people who have unfinished projects, and not nearly as painful as the reminder of the unfinished work of a building I was reading about this week in China. It's called the Golden Finance 117. The tower was topped out in 2015 at a height of 1,957 feet. It has 128 stories above ground, 117 of them supposed to house hotel and commercial space, hence the name 117. As of June 2023, that would be this year, the building remains unfinished and unoccupied. It is currently certified as the Guinness World Records as the world's tallest unoccupied building. So... Don't feel bad about the shed you never finished. On the opposite end of the spectrum is the 
La Sagrada Familia in Barcelona. It's the largest unfinished church in the world. Construction on this basilica started in 82, March 19th, 1882. Projected possible completion right now is slated for 2040. But even in its unfinished state, it is widely held as the most extraordinary display of Gothic architecture in the whole world and the most beautiful work of church art ever made. They're going to finish what they started eventually. What about the church of Sardis? This is the question being posed in these passages of Scripture. Are you going to finish what you started? As the people of this church stood at a crossroads in their spiritual journey, a crossroads that every single one of you will come to probably multiple times in your life. Like all of the churches that John is writing to in the book of Revelation, it seems they started out well, but then something hindered their walk with Christ, interrupted their growth, impeded their progress, and all of a sudden the building project, if you will, came to a complete standstill, and they weren't going to finish what they started. Spiritually speaking, they had lost their witness. This is the common scenario that John is writing to. It's also one that Paul addressed to the church in Galatia. In Galatians chapter 5, he says, you are running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? Who stopped you? Who stopped the building project? Notice Jesus' testimony about this church is that they have a good reputation. On the outside, everything looks great. Perhaps they're still riding the glory of their glory years, if you will. Their past exploits of when they started out strong for Jesus. They're still riding that reputation. But the problem with them is their reputation and their reality don't match up. This can happen in all kinds of arenas of life. Sports. Entertainment. She's just a shell of a performer that she used to be. Hotels, ever stayed at a hotel that has a great reputation and you got in the room and you're like, wow, they had a reputation in 1980. Restaurants, used to be an amazing restaurant and man, now I just went home and wanted to throw up. And it doesn't just happen in those places, it also happens even in the church where our reputation and our reality don't match up. Even this week, yet again, two more stories came out about globally recognized and famous church leaders describing abusive or sexually immoral behaviors that have been going on for years. At the twilight of their earthly lives, they have stumbled and fallen on the final lap, in essence. The outside facade looks good, and, and maybe the past reputation was phenomenal and is propping things up, while on the inside, something is dying, and they're on the verge of death. The story is as old as human history, and yet the question remains, who will finish what they started? Remember, although this letter is not specifically to us, it is to a specific church in Sardis, it is for us, and we can see what God wants to say to us, this church, today through it. Contextually, Sardis was once one of the most powerful cities in the ancient world. 
Jesus followers or Christians at that time seemed to have coexisted peacefully with the synagogue and the Jewish rulers of that time because they were very powerful as well. Therefore, they likely coexisted peacefully in this city establishment as a whole. They got along well with the culture around them. But can I tell you, that could sometimes be problematic. Man, if you never upset anybody, if you never come to any kind of hindrance in your spiritual walk, if you never come up against any opposition when you're following Christ, you might ought to ask yourself if you're still following Christ. Lacking the world's opposition, they have grown comfortable in their relationship with the world. Power and ease have a way of lulling us to sleep and making us feel like we're okay. One of the reasons Sardis was so powerful was of this massive wall that surrounded the city. It had a mountain fortress with walls that rose over 1,500 feet above the valley, and this made the city nearly impenetrable, just to give you some context. But in 549 BC, the Persian king Cyrus defeated the city, and he did it right under their noses. He sent someone to climb up a crevice that he had found in the wall, and if the watchmen of the city had actually been doing their job, if they'd have thought for a minute that there could possibly be a way that they could still lose, if they didn't think that they were so impenetrable and they were so unconquerable that nobody could ever defeat them, they would have seen him climbing up and they could have easily defeated him, but they weren't paying any attention. So he climbed up all 1,500 feet unnoticed, entered the city, opened the front gate, let in the Persian army. And they were defeated. Because Sardis failed to stay awake. They failed to remain watchful. The Persians didn't even need to overcome the wall. They marched straight through the front gate and defeated the city. And if that wasn't enough of a wake-up call, you'd think after the Sardinians would have gone through something like this, they would have learned their lesson. But how many of us have learned our lesson? How many of us after the first time that we did whatever it was that we did, or the second, or the third, or the fourth, or the fifth, or the hundredth, have we learned our lesson? So we can't look at them and go, man, you'd have learned your lesson because a few years later, or however many it was, maybe 300 years later, it happened again. Same thing, coming in from the inside to defeat them. This is why Jesus, beginning this letter with admonishing them to wake up, probably would have stung. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead, verse 1 says. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. We could also translate phrase in verse 2 to be watchful. This command would have cut to the hearts of Jesus' followers in Sardis. Because they knew the history of the city. They knew the consequences of assuming your security and failing to remain vigilant and alert in your spiritual life. Because they saw it happen in the natural life. The historical parallel would not have been lost on the Christians in Sardis. The church, like its city, was a withered version of what it once had been. Its reputation, just a lingering shadow of its former greatness. Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. How many of you ever heard that growing up? It's like, this is our... We got nothing but our reputation or our name. Proverbs says the wise walk in such a way that their their reputation is one that is honoring of God. It's, It's a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. But it's only true to the extent that our good name and our reputation accurately represent who we are. Hello? 
Because if we cultivate and promote a reputation for ourselves that is better than we actually are, God has a definition for that, and it's called hypocrite. A hypocrisy would include maintaining and promoting a reputation that we once deserved, but we now don't. The Christians in Sardis had a reputation for being alive. Why? Because at one time they had been alive. This, wasn't, this was true. At one time they had been alive in Christ. That's why Jesus told them to strengthen what remained and was about to die. They used to have life, but it was dying. And the question could be, well, why did they need a rebuke? Didn't they notice their spiritual decline? Didn't they discern their hypocrisy? Couldn't they look around and see what they used to be and what they were like now? Didn't they notice that they had this going on? Could they not tell they were at a crossroads? And in one direction, it was finish what you started. And in the other direction, it was heading toward destruction. Couldn't they see that? Well, if they're anything like me and if they're anything probably like you, they probably did see it to some degree. Because the truth be told, none of us are completely unaware in our hearts and in our minds and our souls and our spirits of some things that are off. It's not that they were unaware. They probably were aware. But there's something powerfully deceptive about a reputation. We can easily be deceived into thinking that if others think that we're alive, then perhaps it's true. Another sports analogy comes to mind. Don't know how your team might have fared yesterday or will fare today, but there's always a favorite. And sometimes there's a, an, an enormous favorite, like Goliath versus David. That would be an analogy that they would use even in the sports world. And a lot of times what you will see is that if somebody, as the coach might say, believed the press clippings, believed all the hype, believed all the stuff that they're saying about how great you are, and they go out there and lose to an inferior opponent because the reputation was preceding them. And they didn't live up to it. Finish what they started. The church needed to do exactly what Jesus was telling them to do. And what did he say? He said, strengthen what remains. What is he? Before it's too late, before what you do have left dies, guard the deposit. Stand firm. Strengthen your faith. There are so many scriptures from the Old Testament to the New Testament that have this theme over and over again. Be careful when you think that you are standing firm. Be careful that you do not fall, 2 Corinthians says, or 1 Corinthians. It's dangerous to assume your faith can withstand whatever comes your way or that you are somehow not vulnerable to the enemy. Oh, that'll never happen to me. Oh, that would never be something that could, God could do in my life. It's dangerous. 1 Peter 5.8 is preceded by a call for us to walk in humility. Do you know what the walk that we must walk has to be if we're going to live a life that doesn't think that, well, that would never, except by the grace of God, no, I would never do that. I would never fall into that. That would never happen to me. This is what 1 Peter 5.8 says. Be alert and be of sober mind. Watch. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to to devour. Be self-controlled, be alert, or as one commentator translates, pay attention, wake up. That's exactly what this verse is saying as well. Wake up, because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, looking for someone who's resting on their reputation, looking for someone who is asleep at the wheel. The devil's very real. He's deceptive. 
Often his strategy is just like those who conquered Sardis. Get inside and open up the gates from within. He tries to slowly and subtly lure you to desire things other than God. Even if just a little bit. To sneak in and change you from the inside out. To accommodate your life to the idols of our day. Whatever those may be. And all he has to do is set you one degree off course and gradually with time you'll find yourself drifting further and further away from God. Further and further away from how you started off the race. And now all you're doing is resting on your reputation and letting your reputation prop up your heart that knows that you're at a crossroads. That's what happened to the Sardinians. They accommodated the idols of their culture and scripture says they soiled their garments. I'm not going to get into all of that. I mean, anybody that has children in diapers might understand a little bit of this. But garments are indicative of our actions. That we would be clothed, what? In the righteousness of Christ. White, pure, holy, true. See, God knows that we typically start out strong. That's usually not the problem. It's like that race that I told you I ran in high school, whatever it was, the 440 and I started off strong, and at 220, I was done. You know, it's like, and I mean, not like done, like done. Like, any of you who've ever run anything know that it doesn't matter what your brain tells you, your legs just aren't going to do it. Like, you, you came to that point, and I felt really good in that first half lap. But by the second half lap, I was dead last. That was the end of my track career. White man can't run. Okay. <laughs> I was slow. So, and that was the long race because, you know, I couldn't do the fast one either. So, anyway, God knows that all of us start off strong. We start sprinting, forgetting that this life is a marathon. Maybe we even gain a good reputation as a believer and everybody's telling us how great we are. We start to believe what everybody else is saying. Oh, this is such amazing thing. And they are amazing. And you're doing so many wonderful things. And they are wonderful. But I think that's also why Paul said, be slow to lay hands on people. Be slow to call somebody up into leadership and put them up on a platform and, and tell everybody about them. So what do we do? Because the zeal seems to fade. We gradually start looking like the world instead of looking like our Lord that we just sang about a moment ago. So what do we do? How do we stay awake? How do we stay vigilant? How do we stay faithful to the end? Because if you come back to the question, who is going to finish what they started? See, it's very normal to experience lows and low points in your spiritual life. In case you were wondering, like, let me set you free this morning because maybe you feel the condemnation that you were supposed to give your life to Christ and that was it. It was going to be onward and upward for the rest of your life. But can I tell you that the Bible tells a different story? Can I tell you that, that my life experience and what God has given me through his word tells a different story? Can I tell you that the Psalms tell a different story? I don't even have time to get into it, but on Psalm 1, which is obedience to praise God, to Psalm 150, which is just praise God out of nowhere, there is a progression from going obedience of praise to just praise that just erupts out of us. And in the middle where things dip and things get hard and we lament is where we get to a place to where one day it's not just about being obedient. It's because I can't help myself but to praise God. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Okay, that's not in here either. This is trouble. See, the scientific secrets 
As written by Daniel Pink, sociologists say that everybody has a middle to, to everything in life. There's a middle. There's a dip. Whether it's our happiness in life, our energy throughout the day, can I get an amen, our performance on a project, there's almost always a slump in the middle. I can attest to this energy dip myself. Have you ever fallen asleep at your desk? If your boss is here, don't say yes. In the middle of prayer, not just somebody else praying, but you praying, while someone was talking to you, while drinking a cup of coffee, I can say yes to all of those while I'm praying, going... I think I just fell asleep. I don't even remember what I just said. I hope it was coherent. I remember sitting at my desk one time, just dog tired. I'm like, I get to drink some coffee. Just dribbles out of my mouth onto my shirt. I'm like, what? You're falling asleep while you're drinking coffee. I don't think I'm narcoleptic, but I, it could be. We all start out strong. And we eventually decline and we fall asleep in our spiritual life or we're dead and we don't even know it. It's a part of our fallen nature. It's what the old hymn says, prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love. So what do we do when it all comes down to a crossroad where it's either finish what you started or slowly fade to death? The middle point, if you will. What happens at the middle point? And all of us are going to hit the middle point at some point and probably multiple times. So what do we do? Will you let the decline continue, or will you wake up and start picking up the pace in the race of faith? Will you continue to rest on your reputation and what people think about you and the facade that you're putting out there, or will you come to an honest, honest assessment of where your life is and wake up and let God take and strengthen what is still there and remains before it's too late? Jesus' letter to the church in Sardis tells us how to respond in these times. And it gives us these really keys to finishing the race, if you will, finishing what we started. Listen, church, we need to be finishers. There are plenty of starters in this world and in the church. And if one thing breaks my heart, it's to see those who were once had an amazing reputation in the church fail and fall because they failed to finish what they started. Where are the faithful finishers? And I want to give you the answer. And if you're looking for mind-boggling, earth-shattering, mic-dropping quotes, you're not going to find any here. Because Jesus just says simply do what you've always done. Simple expressions of everyday faithfulness. It it, it doesn't change. It's it's repetitive. But they're ones that are going to help you finish what you started. And I know I'm going to sound repetitive because I am repetitive. And the older I get, the more repetitive I'm going to get. And the Bible is repetitive. And it keeps telling us the same thing over and over and over again until we actually live it. So starting in verse 3, here's the word. Remember. How many times do we say remember around here? How many times have you heard me preach on remembrance? Remember. This is the escape from hypocrisy that Jesus gives. Remember. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Revelation 3.3. Do not waste any more of your life pretending to be something that you are not. Don't be content with a shadow reputation of past zeal and achievements. Don't be content with propping up something that you're looking at that's not really real on the depths of your insides and your emotions and your heart. Remember what you received from Jesus when you first gave your life for him. Remember his word. John 15, 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Remember his word. 
You finish what you started, you're going to need to let the word of God nourish, refresh, replenish your soul. And there are all kinds of simple ways to remain faithful, to remember correctly. One of them is gathering together like today in the corporate gathering of worshiping God and being taught and listening to his word and being equipped to do every good work that God has called us as ministers of reconciliation. To worship together every Sunday that we are able to gather together as a church. Do not forsake the assembling together. To remember the faithfulness of God. Communion is a God-given means of remembrance. Meditating on God's word. Remembering where he's brought you from and where you are today. Remember. And then keep, he says. Remember, therefore, what you've received and heard. Some translations say, hold it fast. Others say, and keep it. Keep it. Don't let it go. This is another aspect of remembering that Jesus has to do. This is volitional, meaning this is your will at this point. I'm going to keep this. I'm going to hold on to this. I'm going to keep doing what God told me to do in the beginning. I'm going to keep the faith. The same faith that saved me is the same faith that's going to sanctify me. I'm not going to grow weary in doing well. I'm going to keep putting one foot in front of the other. I'm going to keep trusting God. I remember what he's done for me, and I'm going to keep it. I'm going to hold it fast. Keep it. And then finally, third another volitional act of your will, repent. See, the third key is related to the second, and that is keep and repent. And here's what we do in in our act of our own will. It's the flip side of keeping. You keep doing the things God commanded. That's what you do. But you repent of those things you did, but you know you should not have. Keep doing the things that you've always done that are pleasing to God. Keep doing the things that strengthen your faith. But repent of those things that you shouldn't have done. And here's what you need to know. As soon as that takes place, God's arms are open wide to receive you. If you come to him and repent, he is faithful to forgive you. Repent. Keep saying that it seems to me that the story of Revelation is just one of repentance and mercy. We all have times of dryness in our souls. We all have spiritual lows. I'm here to let somebody know that this morning that somehow thinks that you're immune to the same thing that we see throughout the scriptures. You're not. The reason the Psalms are written the way they are is because we are not immune to spiritual lows and dips in our lives. Times when we wander from God. Times when we leave the God we love. But in those times, we are to remember, we are to keep, and we are to repent. Then Jesus closes with your motivational heed here. So, right, here's the correction. Here's the correction that we just received to the church at Sardis. Listen, remember, keep, and repent. Hold fast to what you have before it dies too. And he's going to say, well, here's the promises that I'm going to give you. Here's the motivation for doing this. Because we say, once you're corrected, it's really nice to receive some motivation to heed the correction. And God is so gracious, although he doesn't have to, because he's God, he gives us the motivation. He gives us the promises that we can hold on to that keep us motivated to live a life that's pleasing to him. His first promise is found in Revelation 3, 5. It says you're going to be clothed in white garments. Remember what he said earlier? Look, there's some people here that haven't soiled their garments. White clothes are a symbol of purity. This is a promise that if you've washed, watch this, if you've washed your soiled garments in the blood of Jesus Christ, then your sins are covered. And when you get to that last day, having finished what you started, you will walk in white, pure and blameless before God. In Roman culture, that's what they would have understood. Wearing white was a symbol of victory. 
in a celebration. Citizens would wear white when they're celebrating a military victory. Well, Jesus promises that like a Roman general returning from a victory that he won on the cross over all our enemies, he will return to us as the victorious king over sin and over death. And we can finish what we started because he finished what he started. I get to be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Unsoiled garments. Jesus' second promise in Revelation 3, 5 is that he's never going to blot out your name from the book of life. Now, depending on where you fall on the theological spectrum, and you could be Calvinist, Arminianist, here's the reality. At the end of the day, what we want to know, whether you lost your salvation or you never had your salvation, are you saved by the blood of the Lamb? And have you lived a life that you have strengthened what remains, even in the dips and the lows? Have you awakened to what Christ is doing, or are you still living on the past of what you did when you raised your hand, or you walked the aisle, or you got dunked, and you said, I'm good. I'm going to live like hell, but I'm good. That's not going to work. It's a picture of Jesus as the judge here. We see this, that he is saying he will keep you till the end and you will finish what you started because he finished what he started. Because the third promise where he sits as the one who is making the judgment and pronouncing the verdict, I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Again, Revelation 3, 5. It's a picture of Jesus as judge pronouncing the verdict. Those who are faithful to the end, he will declare on the last day before the father that you are righteous, pure, and victorious because of what Christ has done. As GKB says or suggests you may hear him read aloud your name from the book of life wow I don't know which to, to, to ponder that hear my name I called a roll at school God of the universe you call my name all going to experience spiritual lows in times when we wander from God. Every one of us will. What matters most is what you do in those times. Not that you have them, because we're all going to have them. And if you say you've never had them, then I wonder how strong your faith really is. Reach out to Jesus. Finish what you started. And here's the thing, I'll say it again, here's where the gospel reminds us. Here's the thing about your Savior, your King, the King of glory that we sang about this morning. Here's the thing about our Lord Jesus. He did finish what he started. He said so on the cross. It's finished. And now we're in the middle of the now and the not yet because he has finished the work. He has defeated. Our foe is a defeated foe. You need to remember that in the spiritual war that we're in. We're fighting a defeated foe, but his return is imminent and it's still yet to come. The question is, in the middle of the waiting, are we going to be like Finance 117, opulent, impressive on the outside, but dead and unfinished on the inside? Or are we going to be like La Grada, Sagrada Familia? And you know what I loved about this? I didn't even think about it until I just was oh, unfinished stuff. And it's like, yeah, but they're still working on it. They've never stopped working on it. And here's the thing. We're unfinished. And God is never going to stop working on you. But you're never going to be finished this side of heaven. So we're just like this project. I don't know when the completion date is. Only God does. But when it happens, everything's going to be perfect. Everything's going to be right. In the meantime, just like this particular work of art, God says that you are a masterpiece in the hand of the master. Beautiful. Right now. 
Not finished, but still beautiful. Not completed, but still amazing. And the work is still going on. The masterpiece is still in process. If we'll strengthen what is there. We can finish what we started because we have the same power available to us to do so because Jesus finished what he started. He said so on the cross, and now his resurrection power is at work inside of us. And it reminds me of Philippians 1.6 that says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Doesn't matter how long the building project is, just know that it's going to be completed when you choose Jesus. The final part of this letter closes like all the letters whoever has ears let them hear what the spirit is saying can i give you some good news about this church because i believe we can respond well apparently the church at sardis had ears and they listened in the second century the church was known as a bastion of doctrinal fidelity and a bold defender of the faith and a church remained there for another 12 centuries the question for us is whether today and every day we will hear what the Spirit is saying to us. And then when we come to the crossroads, will we choose the path with the greater resistance? Not the path of least resistance, but the path of greater resistance. That's the path that you'll actually finish what you started. So my question and my answer at the same time is, will we finish what we started? And I hope the answer is yes. I want this church to be a finishing church project's never going to be finished on us until Christ returns but in the meantime we can be the beautiful masterpiece that he has called all of us to be as his church the beautiful church the body of Christ in the earth today amen let's pray heavenly father I thank you so much for your grace and your mercy with every head bowed and every eye closed before we go out of this place today before we sing to God and worship him maybe today is a day where you're starting anew. We're going to sing about a new beginning, and maybe that's you today. Listen, I'm at a crossroad, but I want to finish what Christ started in me. I want to finish. I want to, by the act of my will, I want to choose to follow Jesus. I want to stop propping up my heart and my mind with past exploits, and I want to begin to serve God wholeheartedly today. It's a new beginning. God, you have my heart, my soul, my life, my actions, my mind, my money. Everything belongs to you, Jesus, today. That could be your declaration in a moment when you're singing. That could be your declaration as you're maybe receiving prayer from a prayer team this morning. And then for the rest of us in this room, maybe maybe it's just a, a strengthening today. You've been faithful doesn't mean you don't have dips or lows, and maybe it's a low right now, but you say, God, I trust you. I trust you. I turn to you again. I choose the path of greater resistance because I know on that path I'm going to look more like Jesus. And, Father, I thank you that your word is true, that you finish what you started. You complete and finish what you started, and that's going to happen to your church and the people that remain true to your name and your church till you return. Let us be those people. Let us be that Thank you for listening to the In Focus Church podcast with Pastor Brent Gerard. In Focus Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Evans, Georgia, with a mission to love God, love people, and reach the world. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you are listening 
and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Infocus Church.